0: This is Floyd Hughes, pastor of Crossroads Community Church of Jefferson Hills. I just wanted to share about my new book, Act Like an E-Christian. The E stands for evangelical. And despite what you may have heard, evangelical Christianity has nothing to do with politics. It has to do with the reason the body of Christ exists, sharing the gospel. My book, a devotional based on the book of Acts, prayerfully encourages Christ followers to return to our evangelical roots of sharing the gospel with folks in our circles of influence. It's available on Amazon in paperback and for Kindle and you can pick up a copy today. Thank you for listening to Crossroads Community Church of Jefferson Hills. At Crossroads, our mission is to be the church by sharing and showing the love of Christ and inviting others to be recipients of Christ's love. Now, here is this week's message from Pastor Floyd Hughes. Uh, I want to clarify. I I really appreciate there's a lot of people making comments online and um, Yeah, thank all of you guys for joining, for all the comments, and for contributing. Uh, Just so you know, we have it in our plans to add more cameras um, down the road so that you guys that are watching online, that you get the best viewing experience possible. It's just that right now, our focus is on the parking lot, which weeks or months away, hopefully, (laughs) uh, we'll get it on the schedule um, so that... Within the next couple of weeks, definitely hopefully by the fall, the parking lot will be repaved and taken care of. Because right now people drive in, it's like over Hill and Dale coming through the parking lot. So once we get that taken care of, then our, our plan is down the road to add more cameras so that you guys watching online can have the best view, viewing experience possible But I definitely appreciate, especially those who are traveling and away and on vacation, you guys taking the time to tune in. So summer is a busy time, lots of people, this summer more than last summer. Last summer, a lot of people didn't get to go do stuff. Uh, So I want to start off asking a question, what is your favorite summer activity? It's hard to ask that question because most of you guys are away on vacation. But for you guys that are here, favorite summer activity, how many people actually go swimming or looking forward to going swimming? Kind of so, okay, yeah, yeah. A less than I thought, but cool. Uh, even, okay, let me rephrase it this way. How many people are looking forward to, not necessarily swimming, but just hanging out in the pool in the cool water? Okay, there we go. I just, yeah, there was some of it, okay. Uh, what about, how many people, beach? Beach is good summer activity, anyone? Yes, of course, my wife loves it. With you right there, I could do beach. I could do beach or I could do lake. Lake is fine too. Uh, not a fan of sea life swimming all up against me, but. I'm okay with getting in the beach or the lake. Uh, How many people just like to travel during the summer? Go visit people, yeah, just to get away during the summer. How many people just like to take a vacation and not be at work? Yeah, that works. Am I missing anything else? Uh, uh, Picnics, Glenn said picnics with friends and food, ding, 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 that's like time with family, friends, always great during the summer. Anything else you guys have, comments or anyone else, any other summer activities? that you like. I'm a huge fan of the summer markets, the outdoor markets. I like to shop, so summer markets, outdoor, especially ones where they have the summer fruits and foods and like peaches and berries and all that stuff. All that stuff is great. There is another summer activity that I hate. Uh, It's an all year long activity, but it really seems to be focused and maybe I just notice it most during the summer. And that is when All of the construction detours that happened during the summer is like there's there's nine other months of the year that all of this stuff could be done but the summer seems to be the 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 height for when everyone says yep let's 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 close that bridge let's reroute all this traffic Uh, this main freeway here we're gonna spend the next three months all summer Working on that and you guys find another way around right and so then they could do this at night Right it I mean it makes sense to me to do it at night But no they decide to do it during the heat of the day so during the heat of the day when it's all hot and it's like 99 degrees in the shade somebody has to stand outside wearing a vest kind of like this so make sure that you see them Right? And it's not a big deal when they do winter stuff and they have to put the vest on because they have layers. And even though this is like ventilated, it's like one more piece of clothing to the guy who's standing outside in 99 degree heat trying to get your attention to let you know there's construction going on. And just because most of us aren't paying attention when we're driving, so they have this big giant sign that they're waving saying, hey, whoa, whoa, stop, 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 trying to get us to like, pay attention, or when it's safe to go, trying to get us to, okay, you can go slowly, and I don't know what their version of slow is, but whether I'm going 10 miles or five miles an hour, I always get a dirty look like I'm going too fast, and maybe it's because they're standing like, you know, this and close to cars that are zooming by, but that's their whole, somebody gets paid up $10 an hour to just stand in front of the construction doing this. Hey, stop. Don't go yet. Or slow down. And I think the last one that Christy and I encountered in New York, uh, he didn't even have a sign. He just had on a thing. And he was just standing in the middle of the road with his phone. And we were like, should we go? Should we not go? And he was like, no, hold on. Don't go. And then he waved for these guys to go. And then he just kind of walked away. And we were like, should we, I mean, is it safe? Do we go? What are we waiting for him to come back? But that's, that's the whole thing they do. The idea is they're trying to keep you safe. They're spending this whole time. They're trying to make sure, although there's so many other times when they could do this construction, but that's their whole point. So the series, I bring this up because the series that we're walking through right now is called the book of Jude. And it's Judas, who goes by Jude, the brother of Jesus Christ, trying to like write this whole letter as a warning sign for us about false teaching. So he, he, he's, he's waving this entire book, wrote this entire book to say, hey, there are false teachers. You guys need to stop. Don't listen to them. Next week, we're going to talk about, because he goes off on like a, a deep tangent into how bad these guys are and why they're doing it. And we'll talk about that next week. This week, he's just like, hey, don't, don't, don't fall into the false teachers. And he's like, when you come across false teaching, you need to like slow down, compare it to the word of God and make sure that what you're hearing is true. Now, let me ask a question. Is anyone curious why he spends so much time on this topic? Like he writes this topic and he goes like in hard because it's personal to him. Now, has anyone ever been like, you fall victim to a scam? I know we don't want to admit it but I once got scammed out of $100 trying to buy an iPod like decades ago when they first came out and they were like $500. Someone was like, I'll give you two for $100. And silly me, I believed it. Silly me was out $100. But this is kind of like what happened to Jude. It's not that he fell victim to a scam, but it's that he was one of the people who fell victim to like a false teaching right? He was one of the people who heard specific teaching and didn't line it up with the Word of God and almost got led astray. So um, I'm going to walk through a couple of verses, uh, but if you want to jump into the book of Jude, we're going to go into the book of Jude in a minute. And, and we talked a little bit about this last week. So this is what John writes, and this is about Jude, his, his personal experience. John writes that after this, Jesus went from place to place in Galilee, For he would not travel in Judea because the Jews were seeking to kill him. So because of what he was teaching, people were seeking to kill Jesus. Now the Jewish feast of tabernacles was drawing near. So his brothers, James, Judas, his brothers said to him, hey, leave here Go into Judea so that your disciples there, they may also see the works that you do. This is no place for you. They were being sarcastic, so read this with a note of sarcasm. They weren't encouraging him, they were making fun of him and mocking him. They said, for no one does anything in secret when he wishes to be conspicuous and secure publicity. If you must do these things, if you must act like this, and the things that he was doing was preaching the word of God, delivering people from their sins, providing hope to people, I said, if you must act like this, show yourself openly, make yourself known to the world, for even his brothers did not believe in, or adhere to, or trust in, or rely on him. Now, that's true. Mark gives us a little bit more detail. It wasn't that they just didn't believe in him. They were literally working against him. In the book of Mark, Chapter 3, this is what Mark writes. He says, Then he went to a house, probably Peter's, but a throng came together again, so that Jesus and his disciples could not even take food. And when those who belonged to him, his kinsmen, heard it, they went out to take him by force, for they kept saying, He is out of his mind, beside himself with the rain. So imagine this imagine, you know, Brandon stolen another cookout. And I am not comparing myself to Jesus at all. But imagine that I'm sitting there and so many people come in like, Floyd, you're so popular. Preach a message for us. Preach. That will never happen. And most people would be like, who is that? Why is he here? But so many people thronged in to try to get to Jesus that they couldn't even eat. And then it says his kinsmen came to try to take him by force. And some versions say his family, some versions say his friends. That word kinsman, it's a word that's best interpreted as his people, the people who loved him, the people who knew him, the people who hung out with him. In the urban community, they would say it, his ride or dies. Uh, It's his family and friends, the people who loved him most. This was literally an intervention where they came to physically remove him from the house because they said, and kept saying, this isn't the first time that they said this, over and over, that he is out of his mind. And the reason why it says beside himself or deranged, some versions say insane. The word that's used literally means in another position. Because in the mental community, what it was was here's reality. Over here is where they said Jesus was. His position and what he thought, thought that he was the son of God, because he was, was outside of reality. They literally tried to have him committed because they didn't believe it. Now, later, when Jesus rise from the dead, after he rose, Paul tells us that he appeared to a bunch of people, right? So Jesus rises from the dead. Paul tells us he was buried. He rose on the third day, as the scriptures foretold. He appeared to Cephas, that's Peter, then to the 12, that's the apostles. Then later, he showed himself to more than 500 at one time, majority who are still alive. Some have fallen asleep. Afterward, he was seen by James, James is the brother of Jesus. James is one of the people who tried to have Jesus committed and said, dude, you're out of your mind. He's one of the people that mocked him. But when Jesus rose from the dead, he showed up to James and said, dude, we got to have a talk. Because I want you to know the life transforming life that you could have by putting your faith and trust in me. James then who's also the brother of Jesus, sits down with Judas, or Jude, who's also the brother of Jesus, and he says, we were wrong. He is literally the son of God. And Jude's like, dude, are you crazy too? He's like, no, I've seen him. So now Judas commits his life to Christ. He starts hearing about the preachers and the teaching that's going on. He goes and he's listening to these messages. Then he hears the message from Peter, that there are gonna be false teachers in the church who are gonna to try to deny Christ. And Judas is like, oh, no, 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 no. I've already experienced that. I almost missed out on the eternity with God. I'm not gonna let that happen to anyone else. So then when he finds out that they are in the church, not just that Peter said they will be, but that they're in the church, he says, oh, this, this cannot happen. And so he writes this letter Kind of raising the 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 alarm, saying, "Hey, hey, hey! Stop, stop! Church, you need to pay attention. There are false teachers in the church, in the church, in the body of Christ, and they're literally denying who Christ is, and they're going to lead you astray." So, if you if you have a Bible, open it up to the Book of Jude, and I'm going to put the verses up here on the screen because it's easier for me to hold the sign while I do that instead of holding the sign and the Bible. Um, and here's, here's one of the first things that Jesus, uh, Jude, last week, we talked about the fact that he said, hey, that there's false teachers, and I should have written to you about salvation, but I want to write to you about the false teachers. And then he says this, he starts talking about the consequences for following the false teachers. He says, though you already know this, I want to remind you that the Lord at one time delivered his people out of Egypt, but later destroyed those who did not believe. And this seems kind of harsh. But has, you don't have to raise your hand, but if you've ever been at a job where people have been fired, like a company says, hey, we're, we're making these changes, and people are like, well, I don't want to do that. And they're like, okay, well, you don't have to come with us. You're, you're, you're done. You're released. You're released into whatever you want to do. This is the same thing. And we talked about this. There were whole groups of people, one million some odd people that were delivered out of Exodus, uh, during the Exodus. But then there was a whole group of people who died in the wilderness. And in Numbers 14, this is what it says. The entire congregation cried out with a loud voice. They wept that night. All these Israelites grumbled and deplored their situation, accusing Moses and Aaron, to whom the whole congregation said, would that we had died in Egypt or that we had died in this wilderness. And the situation they're talking about is God had delivered all of these people out of slavery. They're in the desert. He brought them up to the crossing line into the promised land. So Moses says, I'm gonna take 12 guys, scouts, send them out into the land so you can look at what is the land like, what's the best way for us to come in, who what are we up against, and where can we go to get food and water and be sustained. So these 12 scouts come back with like grapes the size of melons. And they come back with all kinds of food. And they're like, hey, the land God's brought us to, it's full of good stuff, but Ten of the spies or scouts said, we can't go there. The the, the enemies that are there are way too big for us. They have chariots. They're going to kill us. Even God can't sustain us. We, we, We can't go there. And then they said this. They convinced the entire congregation or nation. They said, why does the Lord bring us to the land to fall by the sword? Our wives and little ones will be prey. Is it not better for us to return to Egypt? And they said to one another, let us choose a captain and return to Egypt. And then that was what 10 of them said. Two of the scouts said, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. We're not going back to Egypt. I don't know if you guys remember, but we were slaves back then. I don't know if you guys remember, we used to get beat if we didn't do work back then. I don't know if you guys remember, but we worked from sunup to sundown. We didn't get paid. We were free labor." back then. And they said, hey, maybe we should like slow down, take a beat, and think about the fact that the only reason we're here is because God delivered us from there. And the same God who delivered us from there can help us in the destination that he's taking us to. So Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Jephonah, who were among the scouts who had searched the land, they rent their clothes, and they said to the company of Israelites, the land through which we passed as scouts is an exceedingly good land, and they said, if the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into this land. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. Only don't rebel against the Lord. Don't fear the people of the land. They are bred for us. Their defense and the shadow of protection is removed from over them. But the Lord is with us. Fear them not. And what ended up happening is that the people said, we don't care what you two say. We're not going. And so God said, okay, okay, hold on. Stop, no need to argue you guys won't move to where I'm taking you to. He said, I'm not going to take you back to slavery where I delivered you from. So you will stay right here. And every adult, every single one of the million and a half people that came out of Egypt, every single adult died in the wilderness, except for two, Joshua and Caleb. Every other adult refused to put their faith and trust in what God was able to do, and they believed the false report that God couldn't sustain them. And there are very real and very painful, very real and very painful consequences for following false teachers. Some people uh, who are looking to be delivered from addictions, but there are false teachers telling them, no, God can't deliver you from that. There are some people who are looking for hope and for healing, and there are false teachers telling them, God can't deliver them from that. There are very painful physical consequences. For following false teachers. Jude also talks about the consequences, not just for the teachers and not just for those who follow them, but for the spiritual consequences. He says, And the angels who did not keep their positions of authority, but abandoned their proper dwelling, these he, God, has kept in darkness, bound with everlasting chains for judgment on the great day. So those angels who decided we're just following Satan paid the consequence. Uh, Peter talks about this as well. And we said how this is one of the references that impacted Jude. Peter said, if God didn't spare the angels when they sinned, but sent them to hell, putting them in chains of darkness to be held for judgment, to experience the consequences for following Satan. And this is what what Jesus says about it. In Matthew chapter 13, he says, The Son of Man is going to send forth his angels. This is in the last days. They will gather out of his kingdom all causes of offense, persons by whom others are drawn into error or sin, and all who do iniquity and act wickedly, and will cast them into the furnace of fire. There will be weeping and wailing and grinding of teeth. There is a very real spiritual consequence for those people who are teaching falsely. There's a very real physical and spiritual consequence for those people who follow them. And Jude chapter 7, he says this, In the similar way, Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding towns gave themselves up to sexual immorality and perversion. They serve as an example of those who suffer the punishment of eternal fire. Jude is making the case that, hey, if you follow after these false teachers, or if you are one of these false teachers, you are going to hell. That, that, that's plainly what he's saying, and uh, people can debate it all day long, But what he's making the case for is that there are consequences for following false teachers. And if you do, you're going to hell. And he used the example of Sodom and Gomorrah. And in Sodom and Gomorrah, uh, we think of the sexual perversion. That's the only reason. But Ezekiel tells us that the sin of your sister Sodom, God is speaking to Israel, says the sin of your sister Sodom, she and her daughters were arrogant. And the reason he says she and her daughters is just like Jude said, it's the surrounding towns. Sodom, the impact they had on Gomorrah, the impact they had on the surrounding towns that said, hey, we like your culture, so we're going to mirror your culture and do what you do. And so they reap the consequences that they did. She and her daughters were arrogant, overfed, unconcerned. They didn't help the poor and needy. They were haughty and did detestable things before me. Therefore, I did away with them as you have seen. It wasn't just the sexual perversion. It was the unrighteousness in the eyes of God and the towns and the cities that follow them, everyone who said, yeah, we want to be like you because today we see popular people, we see influencers, and we see things that they say and things that they do, movie stars, and we say, hey, we want to be like you. But if the way that they are like is ungodly and we follow them, then we will end up like them. And what Jude is saying and what the Bible reports is that ending up like them uh, means that we will end up separated from God. This is what uh, Jesus said. If anyone, when he was uh, sending out his disciples, if anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, leave that home or town and shake the dust off your feet, truly I tell you, it will be more bearable for Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than for that town. Sodom and Gomorrah didn't have the word of God as their truth. People that Jesus was sending his followers to did. Today, we have the word of God. So when someone tries to lead us astray or lead us into a culture or an activity or a mindset that is opposed to the things of God, then we can stand up and say, hey, hey, I That's not true. I I, I don't know if I wanna go there with you. Or we can say outright and right, hey, that contradicts the word of God. It's not for me. Because there are very, very real physical and spiritual consequences for following false teachers. There are people that won't receive hope, that won't receive healing, that won't experience the love of Christ. And there are people who will spend an eternity separated from God. Now, as the band comes up, uh, let me share this one last thought with you. Um, We did that devotional called Killing Kryptonite that, I don't know how many of you guys did it, whoever did it, where it was walking through, hey, here's a way to overcome your weaknesses. Uh, So as I was searching through this, because it doesn't make sense to talk about false teachers and false teachings, without coming up with a way to combat that. So I found what literally, and I've used this over the last, I don't know how often, couple of months, especially in the last couple of weeks, and I'll tell you why in a minute, to help confront false teaching. And it is like kryptonite. Now, I'm not talking about anyone teaching something political or anyone teaching something cultural. Specifically, I'm talking about anyone who is trying to twist or pervert the word of God. And this is like kryptonite to them. I've used this multiple times, especially in the last week. And I'll tell you why in a minute. Um, And just ask them this question, what is the biblical context for what you are saying? And emphasize the word biblical and emphasize the word context, because a lot of people take verses out of the Bible and use them in a way that was never intended which is why you have to emphasize biblical in context. Uh, one situation where somebody messaged me and said, hey, pastor, you're literally wasting your time being a pastor because the entirety of the Bible, just for Jewish people, not for the Gentiles. We're just all going straight to hell. Nothing can help us. So my question was, well, what's the biblical context? Because you say the entirety of the Bible, biblical context for what you're saying, because there are literally whole books of the Bible that say otherwise. And he shared with me a verse out of Romans that talked about the fact that the Jews are God's chosen people. And I said, but did you read the next verse that talks about the fact that the Gentiles are grafted in by faith and are heirs to the promise of God with the Jews? And he never contacted me back. And then there's, there's this... I. I, I share this with you, just bear with me for a minute, all right? So spent a lot of time making TikToks, Ignore the crazy expression on my face, that was a bad capture, but uh, I made this video because there was this woman who was literally coming for my life because she's like, you're, you're a heretic, you're preaching heresy, uh, you're, you're leading people to hell because I have tattoos on each arm and I have two earrings. So I kind of like made this video uh, and because she literally said, Tell me when you see someone who claims to be Christian and have piercings and tattoos and they're advocating for them. And she went on to say that I'm a false teacher and a heretic. And my response was, first of all, I'm not advocating for people to get tattoos. I hate needles. But if you're going to get it, pray about it. That's between you and God. But it is not a sin, which is what she was saying. And people take the verse from Leviticus, and I think we talked about it when we were going, and how it says, don't get uh, markings on your body for the dead. Because that's what they used to do in Egypt as a way of worship. And people take that and apply it to today. And literally judge people that walk into churches today, not in the 50s, not in the 30s, today, People will walk in covered in tattoos and people will tell them you're going to hell unless you get those removed. And that's not what the scripture says. So I made this video and I asked, I said, hey, if you're a Christian and you have tattoos like I do or piercings like I do, can you just kind of share this so that people know not to judge people based on what you look like. Literally 30-something thousand people looked at it, hundreds of people, like four or 500 people shared it, and Christy will tell you, I sat there commenting on each one, thanking them for sharing it, but then I got so many comments like this. I'm a Christian and I have tattoos, but you're right, and the reason I'm afraid to go back to church is because I've always been judged because there are today. And this isn't just me making this up. I shared that, that video uh, in a pastor's group, and I was like, hey, can we change this? Because this isn't people going into mega churches and getting treated like this. They're coming into small churches like ours, and people are greeting them and walking up to them and saying, oh, you have tattoos, and then shunning them and walking away from them or they're walking in with like mega earrings or whatever the big gauges are called or nose rings and tongue rings and lip rings, and they're being judged. And I asked the pastors, I was like, guys, can we change this? Can we stop this? Can we teach our people that this isn't biblical? It's, it's literally false teaching that is leading people away from God to allow this to happen. And a bunch of t- pastors defended it. Hey, if they're sinning by getting tattoos, I'm like, dude, read the Bible but there were a couple of pastors said, hey, they said, you're absolutely right because I was raised that way. And right now I have it in my head when I see someone covered with tattoos or earrings that they're a bad person and they're like, I have to literally stop the thought and reinforce it with the fact that no, they're loved by God just like I am. But that teaching is in the church today and there's a pastor I didn't tell, uh, tell the story, but I'm sure he would be okay with it. At a church in West Mifflin, tattoos up and down his arm. He's the associate pastor at a church. He makes videos like promoting the gospel, has literally fo- 160-something thousand followers, has a ministry where he collects Bibles and sends them to like first responders and to military all around the world. Walked in the Chick-fil-A with his family, sitting down to eat. And somebody walked by, looked at his tattoos and said, you're a disgusting sinner. You're going to hell. This is not the gospel. That type of false teaching that permeates our church today, it's wrong. And it's leading people away. And those people who say, I'm never going back to church. I'm never going to trust the people of God are also not trusting God and they're going to spend an eternity separated from him because of us. And I get it. Some people say that's an excuse for people not to come. If it's an excuse from them, let it be on them. But we shouldn't give them a reason not to come. And and, and one day we won't have to worry about um, us going out and being the voice of God and sharing about the truth of God's word. One day we'll just be you know, in the presence of God, but today, today, it's gonna to take us stopping the false teaching. And when we confront it, and it's not like going up to someone like, you dude, you're a liar, and this, that, and the other, it's respectfully saying, hey, what's the biblical context? And then sharing God's truth with them. And then hopefully helping them understand that God died sent his son to die for that person just like he did for you and for me and for everyone else and god we pray that that day will come soon when we all get to just bask in the light of your glory spend eternity with you but we also pray that until that day that way you would give us that strength to acknowledge the false teachings that are out there not to be the the biblical police but to respectfully share and show the love of Christ and the truth of your word so that people can receive that healing. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 We hope you enjoyed the message. If you did, please leave a comment on our webpage, crossroadsofjeffersonhills.com, or our Facebook page. You can also join our Sunday celebration every Sunday at 10.37 a.m. We look forward to hearing from you online or in person. Thank you and God bless.